Welcome to Vintage Burn. This is Kev. Marco. And Douglas. And tonight we're doing a special bonus episode. We're doing our opinionated pit. We are talking about metal records from 1983. Marco, I will let you kick this off. Yeah, so 1983. Uh, to me, probably the greatest year so far that we've done. We've, we started with 1980, and this was definitely the hardest to pin down, like, three records and uh, the format, as usual, is we all pick three, and we have our kind of decided number one already set up. And uh, I want Douglas uh, to kick it off this week. All right. Um, well, uh, in no particular order, I have chosen 1983 uh, Slayer's debut album, Show No Fucking Mercy, which, my lord, what a banger. Um I mean, anybody who who's into metal and hasn't heard this, you know, I'm um, I would be shocked. But so ringing it at uh, 35 minutes and two seconds, um, dude, just an all-around banger. Uh, Agreed. A couple of fun facts: I had no idea that Gene Hoglin did uh, the evil on the uh, evil has no boundaries. I guess like he saw him playing in California. It was like I, you know, I think back then, uh, Tom. Tom and Jeff were doing it and just didn't sound evil enough, so they kind of had like the a group <laughs> vocal and not, and then they all decided to join in when they they you know when they do it live. But I thought that was kind of a cool little fun fact. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, and also uh, just so you know, Gene Hoagland is actually the one who taught Dave Lombardo proper double bass. Really? Oh, didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Wow. Fun fact. Yeah. She's yeah. also one of Doug's favorite celebrities to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. I, I'm still I, I'm still torn. I still don't know how to feel, but um, but yeah. So that's my number. Like I said, it's probably my number one pick. I went with it because I was so excited about it. But uh, another little fun fact: um, I didn't realize I got the money from Tom was a respiratory therapist at the time, and so they basically took any money they could scrounge up from him working, and then borrowed money from Kerry King's dad to kind of go on there. I mean, I'm sorry to get the uh, album like together and shit. And they went on a tour. Brian Slagle basically sent him out. You know, no manager, no representation. Made them fend for themselves, pretty much. But all around, such just just a banger. I mean, like I said, doesn't really need to be talked about too much, just because those who know it love it. And if yeah, you don't love it, but you know, I just want to name a couple standout tracks that don't get talked about too much. Actually, just one, Cryonics. I love that song. Yeah, it's one of my. One of my favorite Slayer songs that they will never play live. I did have the fortunate, uh, the you know the they did play uh, Fight Till Death once when I saw them, which was pretty cool. I never expected that one, so you never know, I guess. Well, now you you know because they're not around. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I take that back. But I mean, all these songs went later on to make one of probably my first or second favorite live albums too. The when they did the live on Dead, it just these songs just carried so well over live. Absolutely. Kevin. Uh, this is a, I mean, this is an obvious pick where uh, I, everyone's a fan of Ozzy. So I'm going to, my number one out of my three is going to be Bark at the Moon. Um, it also features, I still think, and I, Mark will probably agree with me, um, one of the most underrated guitar players, Jakey e. Lee, uh, which I Absolutely. can't, I can't stand it. People never mention him. 
it's like you know they they just jump from one to the other um, and they skip Jake Lee for whatever reason. Um, I, I think this record and um, you know Shot in the Dark uh, or Ultimate Sin, sorry, Ultimate Sin are just phenomenal records. The kid was young. I think Jake Lee was in his teens when he even helped Ozzy write this album. Um, so just just an amazing, amazing guitar player. I mean, I, pe- people would kill me for saying this, but I think he's as good as Randy Rhodes. I mean, yes, Randy was one of a kind in his own way and fusing classical, but fucking Jakey Lee at his age, he was younger than Randy Rhodes, and the kid wrote some killer, killer riffs and solos. So, um, you know, for me, I don't know, standout tracks, it's really hard to decide. Um, I mean... I really love You're No Different, which I know is a slow tune. Um, and I'll have song. to say, it, it's just a great tune. You know, um, I mean, we all know Bark at the Moon, which is a killer riff and not always easy to play or get down pat. So, um, you know, now you see it, now you don't. Rock and Roll Rebel's great. Doug's favorite, Center of Eternity. <laughs> Dude, the best song on the album, hands down. <laughs> um mm. I, me honestly, it sounds crazy, but I love I, I love waiting for darkness. I just love me that too. riff in there. Um, and there's something about that. So for children of Bodum fans, when you hear that song, the the way that he plays his guitar um, in that part, um, it's hard to explain, you know, on a podcast. But there's this. I hear children of Bodum. I mean, Alexi definitely was influenced by that part because you can hear a lot of that style in his playing. Um, on on the on the Cobb record, so just a great record. Um, again, I feel like it's always overlooked. Aside from the song "Bark at the Moon," people are just like, ah, you know, it wasn't the Randy stuff. And then they go right over to Zach, and um, I he's my second favorite guitar player in uh, Ozzy Osbourne. You know, uh, not yeah, only that, I, I, cover I, uh, cover albums, awesome, yeah. dude. I mean, the the aesthetics that they had on Ozzy, they're they're awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is a great yeah, cover. I, I overlooked this album for a really long time. And actually, one of my favorite things is, uh, who's in a car? Is somebody in a car? Not me. <laughs> Sounds I'm like, a- like wind. Yeah, no, I, I, he- I hear it too. Kev, do you have your like yeah. AC on or something? I have my AC on in the background, yeah. Oh, I think we can, we can yeah, hear yeah, it whenever you turn your head. Really? <laughs> oh, Jesus, that clear. It picks it up. I'm in, oh, I'm yeah, in the yeah. other room too. Did Were you wa- yeah. walking back and forth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you're in the other room, we can hear it, yeah. Um, But anyway, what what I was getting into is I love Slow Down, and I I love that song, and I love how it goes into Waiting for Darkness, because it's got, like, I don't know, just the end of that album's good. And even So Tired, I like. I don't know if it's because, you know, Headbangers Ball back in the day, they used to play the video all the time. But I also enjoy that song very much. But, yeah, it is an overlooked album. I, I didn't listen to it for years. And finally, when I did, I'm like, "What the fuck have I been missing?" You know, it's it's a great record. It is. I I also overlooked it for a long time until like I had a work truck that only had a tape player, and like I remember going to a yard sale and finding like a couple old Aussie, and and I remember just listening to it over and over and over for like one summer, and that's when I feel it really fell in love with Center of Eternity. <laughs> <laughs> it's also um the it's also the record that features uh, another underrated musician, Tommy Aldridge. Uh, the guy's an insane drummer, and he's played in a shit ton of bands from um, Gary Moore to White Snake, Ted Nugent and Lizzie, Vinnie Moore, Ingve Malmsteen. So the the guy's just a world class musician. 
Wow. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if he was on the next record, but I mean, he made his, um, he made his appearance on this album for sure. So yeah, he was he was also in the Anvil movie where uh, Lips really wanted to meet him, and Tommy Aldridge looked like he could give a fuck less. Oh, <laughs> okay. Remember that guy, the guy with the really curly hair, Doug? Yep. Tommy yep. Aldridge. Yeah, he looked like he was ninety. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that two, was, and that was in like two tracks, that, right? Yeah. Two tracks that never made it um, that are now on the reissue from two thousand two. I love Spiders. I think it's an awesome kind of creepy Halloween song. And uh, One Up the B-Side is a really cool track. Oh, yeah. I've, so were those originally supposed to be on the album? Are they B-Sides? Yeah, they're just B-Sides. For whatever reason, I never made the cut, you know, and finally made their appearance in 2002, which hmm. I really I, – I like both songs a lot. I'll have to check those out. All right. Now, moving on to uh, my first pick, I'm going to go with Motorhead, Another Perfect Day. Uh, to me, their best overall record from front to back. I like every track, and I can't say that about many uh, Motorhead records. But, uh, you know, songs like Back at the Funny Farm, Marching Off to War, Die You Bastard, those tracks are just excellent. And uh, they did play those live, I think, relatively often. So, they, you know, a lot of tracks off this stood in their live set. Uh, it's an album I got into actually recently, uh, a couple, you know, within the last few years, because uh, I saw like a Motorhead ranking once, and they ranked it number one. I'm like, really? It's like an album I didn't expect. You, you know, you expect like Overkill or Ace of Spades or even their their just left titled, and I'm like, whatever. So I put it on and, and fell in love with it. All right. Um, as you guys know, I'm not the bit. Not that I don't respect the shit out of Lemmy and Motorhead. It's just I've never been the biggest motorhead fan and I, i'm gonna not gonna lie i don't know if i know any of these songs and that take away my metal okay. card but that's hey, why we you do don't this have, to have a metal card look man i just uh my advice is listen to this record if you like any hint of motorhead which i know you like certain oh. motorhead songs because we've jammed them but <laughs> oh no I, I love motorhead but like it's just i i don't know like besides like orgasm like orgasmatron's always been my jam and you know obviously mm -hmm. the, all the other hits and shit like that but yeah, all right. Well, I'll have to give it a whirl, too. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I've got a bunch of the records, I think, up until the mid to late 80s. Um, if something comes on, I'll enjoy it. But I'm, I'm, I'm also not a huge Motorhead fan. I, for me, I just feel like every record has a sim very, very similar sound. It's kind of They're kind of like the ACDC of metal for me. Ah, I, yeah. I, I, the good comparison. I'm like, oh, hey, the same riff, different lyric. Uh, yeah. Cool. I, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, Motorhead have been consistent. Lemmy's influential as fuck. Um, I just, for me, I'm like, okay, like I, I, there's, they don't have standout songs to me where I'm like, oh my god, I have to put this on. You know, aside, I mean, aside from the cuts that you constantly hear, I never want to listen to them. That's probably why. Yeah, I just, I'm always like, I just yeah. want to listen. I've always just been bigger to their like punk rock energy, you know, and because uh, mm -hmm. they have mm -hmm. that flair to them, and that's why like. You know, with them, you always hear it. They're like the one band that punks and metalheads back in the day could both like. You know, and because uh, back mm -hmm. then they used to brawl with each other. <laughs> so until the yeah. crossover scene, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was a different time back then. But but you're right. And like I said, no disrespect to you know the late Lemmy or Motorhead. I just I somehow got skipped over over the years. But you know what? Like I said, that's why we do this. So now 
Now I can go back, listen to it, appreciate it, and be like, fuck, Marco was right. Like, I've been snoozing on this. Hey, maybe we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. put on some Motorhead this weekend, you know? Just put on the record and let it play, and it might catch your ear. Yeah. So would you call would you call Amana Marth the Motorhead of metal? Of death metal yes. or whatever? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. With, without a doubt. Well, well played, Sarah. Well played. <laughs> Doug, back to you, brother. All right. So my second one. Um, I decided on Satan, uh, Court in the Act, which, uh, I don't know, Satan, I think they only had like two albums and maybe one AP in the 80s, and they, they kind of dropped off the face of the earth. I know they had a million lineup changes and everything else, but um, so recently, I don't know if you've, uh, they don't have this one on Spotify, Marco, I don't know if they have it on iTunes, Kev, but they re-released... Um, uh, it's called Early Ritual um, back in 2020. It has like about half half the songs from the earlier albums, which I thought, which thought was cool. But hmm. uh, but a couple like Break Free, fucking just great energy. Trial by Fire, awesome. Ritual, just this very Maiden-esque inf- uh, instrumental, you know. They're considered kind of proto-thrash or proto-thrash slash beat speed that was kind of like a little bit advanced for like the 80s, even with, you know, at least up until, ni- you know, 1983, but... Uh, just this, this, this one's fun. A lot of good energy and definitely a banger. Yeah, I had to uh, listen to it. I mean, I've heard it before, just not in a long time. And I, I've always liked this record, but uh, I had to listen to it on YouTube. And um, yeah, I, I love I love uh, Broken Treaties is a really good song. I don't know if you know that one, but... Uh, yes, yep. That was actually Broken, the... It's killer. Next. The only yep. thing I found odd was they put like back-to-back instrumentals. Granted, like one of them is only 57 seconds. But I just found that odd that it was like back to back. <laughs> it was just weird. Yeah. But aside from that, I love the album. Love the record. I texted you yesterday saying, man, I forgot how good this album is. And yeah, really good record, man. Uh, if I had to rank it in like new wave of British heavy metal albums, it'd probably be in my top. You know, not counting Iron Maiden. It'd probably be in my top like five records, three records. Yeah, agreed. Along with along with Angel Witch, uh, self-titled, and maybe Saxon, the, the Dem- Denim and Leather one that we listened to. Yep, and then uh, honestly, 1981 or whatnot. Because we did 1982, dude. Which final general? That's been in my rotation ever since, man. Yeah, I've listened fun. to it a couple times. It's a grower, dude. It's a grower, not it's a not a shower. <laughs> Kev, did you have a chance to listen to Satan Court in the Act? Uh, you man, you've for years tried to show me this record, and no, I have not. Again, another record I would have to sit with you and and listen to it. All right, it, it's definitely worth the world. It's it's. It's it's Iron Maiden ish. It's Judas Priest ish. It's uh, yeah. got a little more speed, a little more like energy. I don't know. I think you might actually like it. I'm gonna sit you down one night, maybe strap you to a chair, throw you in the sex okay. wing, and make you listen to it. All yeah. Right. See, yeah. My, my thing, my thing is if I haven't heard an album or I haven't heard it in a long time, that's why I ask you guys in advance for your picks. You know, because I want to li- get the chance to try to listen to them a couple times before we go on so that's why i do it but you know what's good about this year i only had to listen to one because i know every single other record very well <laughs> yeah this was a, <laughs> such a great year like this is like the year that really kind of like you know stuffed its fist up metal's ass if that makes any sense like yeah, i fire. think this is gonna this is gonna rival 86 87 to me Ooh. see by by then we have so many like i don't say sub dramas but just like it's like this little metal tree that grew, and by 86, 87, it spawned into a full-ass fucking tree. 
from this little yeah, sapling right. in 1983. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kev. All right, so uh, leading up to this record, uh, just to give you guys some insight, for those of you who may not know, um, I went on a Black Sabbath binge and I watched the whole history of Black Sabbath not too long ago on YouTube. It was like hours of my life that I'll never get back and I don't care. It was worth every second of it, going into a black hole of Black Sabbath. Um, so basically, you know, uh, Sabbath picked up Dio. We all know about Heaven and Hell. We all know about Mob Rules, two amazing records that nobody thought would come to fruition after um, Ozzy Osbourne uh, was kicked out of the band in the late 70s. Um, they did these two records. They started working on a live record called Live Evil, and the band was having some turmoil with Dio in it. Uh, whatever is a mixing thing was honestly, I, I think it was it was really just about ego. It was the ego on Sabbath side, ego on Dio side, probably more on Dio side, and. Um, he started to put together his own solo record while he was actually doing the live evil record with Sabbath. So I think he was playing the Sabbath guys, realized that he was pretty fucking talented and was like, I'm going to do my own thing. So I think, I think he was kind of double crossing Sabbath. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, and put together a killer band, even scooped up the drummer, obviously Vinny Apici, um, who was in Sabbath at the time and picked up, um, Two other key members. Uh, I'm trying to think. Hold on, give me a second. I got to look at this. Uh, Jimmy McBrain, Jimmy Bain from uh, Rainbow, and Vivian Campbell, who is a very, very young uh, teenage guitar player virtuoso from England, I believe, that made his way over to the U.S. and um, he just put together a supergroup and called it Dio. And we obviously have his first solo record, Holy Diver. I mean, what more can you say? You know. Make sure those tiger stripes are clean. Amazing, amazing record all around. Um, one track I never thought I'd say that I love wholeheartedly, Rainbow in the Dark. I mean, crazy okay. lyrics, crazy, you know, um, fantasy lyrics, but what a song, right? I, I didn't know a dude could use the word rainbow so much and make it sound badass. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I mean, the whole record, Stand Up and Shout, Holy Diver, Gypsy, Caught in the Middle, Don't Talk to Strangers, Straight Through My Heart, Invisible, Rainbow in the Dark, Shame on the Night. Just the entire first record of Dio is killer. And honestly, I, I don't know about you guys, there's a little bit of, he carried a little bit of that Sabbath sound that he had with those guys into his own record. Yeah, you know what, though? I think he brought his style more into Sabbath than continued it, in my opinion. Because Sabbath totally changed their style when Dio joined the band. It's completely different. Yeah, but he's not a, he wasn't a guitar player. He wasn't a songwriter. Like, I don't think he no, I mean, could be wrong. No, he, he, no, no, but he wrote all the lyrics, and, and I think he guided them mm-hmm. in a way. I think he helped them in Maybe. a way. Because, I mean, even Maybe. even after he left, it was, it was a bit different, too. You yeah, know? you know what, man? You're right. Um, Melody-wise, he probably steered the melody, which helped Tony kind of steer some of his guitar parts. So I, I would agree with that. Yeah, and plus, and then, you have to adjust your, your style to his singing style, because Ozzy was different, yeah. you know? Ozzy would yeah. just kind of follow the groove, and, and Dio could just kind of do his own thing, because he, he was just a really good singer, man. I mean, maybe the best in, in metal or whatnot. Yeah, great. I mean, I mean, even the artwork, amazing artwork. Um, I, I mean, I love it. You've got... Uh, I forget the name. Is it... Fuck, what's the name of his mascot that he has? 
He's got his Dio mascot. Uh, I know he's got a name give me a second. for him. I'll get it for you. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, I didn't know he had a name. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was gonna say so. Names. Yeah, Black Sabbath has Henry, uh, the little demon, the little demon with the star, the naked, naked demon with the star. That's Henry. Um, I mean, we all know Vic Rattlehead. We all know um, Eddie. You know, we. But Dio's guy is Murray. Dio's demon Murray. is Murray. There you go. It's Murray, Murray, or Murray, Murray. I don't know how <laughs> if you want to pronounce it, but Murray, Murray. That's weird. That's kind of a weird, oh, like. Murray. Um, I don't know why he has two first names in a row, but it's okay. <laughs> so, um, going back to the album cover for a second, I guess I don't know if Marco, you might have probably still been too young, but I, I remember hearing from all the old timers that like, like this super um, blasphemous and very purposely ba- blasphemous album, like being sold in Walmart, in Kmart, and it just being like this, like what, like kids going in that, like you know, we're kind of into like the new wave of uh, British heavy metal and shit going in to pick up Dio and it's like what the fuck like why is this here like it was so out of place but I wish it was I'm sure if we looked hard enough there'd be some like pictures somewhere at least I hope they yeah yeah it's funny too because I got a a quick little story it's actually based off his next album which will probably be on my list uh in 84 or whatever it comes out but uh when I was a kid I had I had that both those and uh and uh last in line on cassette and I remember these like priests in training used to live upstairs from me. So I would sit there like at seven years old or eight years old, whatever I was, and I'd have, you know, Dio on the headphones. So the guy came out, one of them came out, it's like, what are you listening to? And I said, like, Dio, he gave me the most like disgusted look. And he's like, oh, you shouldn't listen to that. And, I'm, and then that's when I grew my uh, hatred for organized religion right there. So, <laughs> Fuck but now nah, I continued to listen to Dio. I love that record, man. Somebody found it. It's like devil's music, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> devil's music. So I'm not going to lie. This might be one of the greatest just overall metal albums like ever. It's definitely like way, way up there. It's just you got like the technical playing of like, say, Dream Theater with uh, the fucking great strong vocals that aren't like whiny or annoying. It's just like all around fucking like Dream Theater. <laughs> yeah, but but more listenable. And plus, Dio just like spits wisdom at you for like an hour straight dude like don't talk to strangers if i listen to him don't treat them women they'll only bring you down like i'm gonna save myself so much pain and agony just listening to dio's advice that he's been trying to throw at us since 1983 well actually before that but with this album anyway yeah it's it's an absolute masterpiece you know i think his first two i think this one in the last of the line just fucking masterpieces and uh yeah i got nothing else to add man i just fucking great record Man, yeah. you guys miss. I, I don't know his last couple of records. I don't think we're going to get into the 2000s on this, so I'm going to just say it now. For fans who have stopped listening to Dio, you missed out on Killing the Dragon um, and um, Master of the Moon. I think those are two highly underrated records that need to be listened to right now. Uh, I listen to them constantly. Uh, they were the last of Dio's records. Um, before his passing, and they they rip, they fucking rip. Yeah, man, I agree. All righty, enough about Dio. My next pick uh, starts a guy with face paint. Man, is uh, oh. Merciful Fate, Melissa. Nice. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Anyway, uh, this album's awesome, man. Um, I love uh, what are their names? I can't remember their names. 
Um, give me one second. Hawk and Animal. Sherman, Michael Denner. Hawk and no, Animal. Sherman. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Hawk and Animal? Yeah, this kid, this kid asked if this is the wrestling show. Oh. <laughs> uh, so Hank Sherman, Michael Denner on the guitar tracks. The, those dudes are amazing. They did a lot of things that weren't being done at the time, in my opinion. Uh, elevated it. And uh, it took me a long time to get into King Diamond's vocals. But once I got used to him, I was into it. The music on this is phenomenal. Yeah, and it, it, it inspired so many freaking bands and, and, and looks for black metal. And even Metallica was listening to this shit. And we're like, whoa, this is great. But anyway, awesome, awesome record, and I know you know at least at least Doug I know can talk about this record a bit. I love, dude. Well, funny you mentioned Metallica. They did, um, didn't they do on Garage Days the, the when they did the second one back in the early two thousands? I think they did Curse of the Pharaohs, and was it Satan's Fall? Yes, uh, they yes, did Curse yeah, of the Pharaohs, definitely. And yeah, man, honestly, I I love this record too, and I, I, I picked them up from. Well, from Doug talking about King Diamond back in the day, but also from listening to Metallica. So one thing Metallica were great at, even in their shittiest of times, was at least helping people get into other great artists that maybe didn't get the recognition so that they could help them get it. Um, even though a lot of people still think these are Metallica songs for whatever reason out there, like Bread fans, sorry, Metallica fans, not a fucking Metallica song. Um, Bread fan! <laughs> I love Bread Fan. I yeah. got me something budgy on vinyl. Marco was there. We bought it down in Maryland. Yeah, yeah I remember. Um, yeah, but- I, I'm with you though. Uh, Merciful Fate, awesome. Um, I I feel like this was still pre King Diamond getting into his his grandma days. So I it was high, but still not that bad. And then he kind of I feel like he came full circle to the vocals that I like when he when he started doing. Um, you know, like Spider's Lullaby and stuff like that, which I like more. So I feel like that was more Merciful's Fate King Diamond, a little more reserved. So I, I kind of like the King. I, I, I like the Merciful Fate stuff. Yeah, this this one's an absolute banger. Like I think Black Funeral is the one. You know, remember the remember we saw in the darkness we talked about. We did the cast on, and they go to see mm-hmm. the band in the beginning. I, I think it's Black Funeral. Oh, uh, hail Satan! I think that's. I think that was the one they were like covering in the movie, whatever band they went to mm-hmm. see. But, uh, dude, Satan's Fall, Melissa, Curse of the Pharaohs, Into the Coven, man, that alone. Like, that's the song that really got me into fucking Merciful Fate was in, uh, Into the Coven, man. Yeah, I'd say it was that and uh, Evil and Melissa, those three songs for me. Like, I love all three of those equally. Love those songs. Oh, yeah. Um, now, can we talk about the album cover for a second? It's very... Sure. What an awesome album cover. <laughs> Yeah, but what a weird name for a record. Awesome album cover, but what a strange name. I'm sure there's a story. I'm sure there's a story. Maybe Melissa was I, actually. Is there a story? Any idea, Marco? I don't know. Uh, keep talking. I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, she was. I think she was a witch because it literally says in the song she was a witch. Why did they take you away, Melissa? You were the queen of the night, Melissa. You were my light. So it's definitely based off her story. Uh, a story, but you know, it's about his mother. It might be. You never know. Like some Ed Gein kind of shit. I don't think his yeah, mom would have been named Melissa. I mean, being from Denmark, I can't imagine the name Melissa was associated to his family. Maybe it was like I, Melissa, Melisha, and we're just we're Marisa. butchering it as Americans. Okay. <laughs> Marisa. 
Yeah, but what a um, and that was a, his first. Uh, did he have any EPs or anything before that, Marco? Or was that the first? Yeah. No, they released an EP in '82. I forget the name of it. Oh, it's just Merciful Fate. Oh, all right, uh, okay. Yeah, it's the one with like the uh, naked girl on the cross. I'm sure you've seen the cover a thousand times. Oh yeah, it's like black and yes. white, like kind of cartoony. Yes. Correct. That's okay. The one. And there's like a bunch of druid druids around her. Yes, I couldn't. I I wasn't sure yeah. if that was before or after this one, but that makes sense. Oh, and yeah, she's getting burned on the cross. I see fire now. I'm looking at it right now. So yeah. I wonder if that's Malisha. Okay, the name Melissa, uh, given to females, uh, comes from the Greek word. Okay, not even gonna, can't pronounce that in Grecian or whatever it is. Uh, it means bee, b e e, like this is bee, uh, which turns out it comes from meli, which means honey, and hititi, melit signifies honey, so honey bee. Okay. Mm. All right. Sure. Good to, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Douglas. All right. <clears throat> so for my uh, third and final, I had decided to go with Black Sabbath's 11 studio album, Born Again. Yeah. Which this was the last studio album with Bill Ward, which I knew, but I forgot. And their first with, well, first and last with, uh, Ian Gillen from I have DP here. It's obviously Deep Purple and not Deep Purple, um, yeah. Not not double penetration. Mm-hmm. For those who might, so yeah. So you basically had the original Sabbath lineup with Ian Gillen from Deep Purple. So what a fucking like what a lineup. Um, so we'll kind of talk about we'll talk about the album and I have something that I just learned which totally makes sense. But um, dude, it this 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 one rocks too. I mean, out of the gate, you get thrashed. And then Stonehenge, which I'll get into in a minute. And then right into Disturbing the Priest, which has, over the years, become my favorite on this album. And then, obviously, Zero the Hero, Digital Bitch. And then Born Again, which is, like, a soft, but, like, good ballad that kind of gets, like, into baby-making music. You know, like, deep up in my room. Kind of like Barry Manilow shit. And then... Honestly, I think it kind of fades off with Hotline to keep it warm. Those aren't, like, I, I usually stop listening after Born Again. I hate to say it, but, um, yeah. Marcus? Uh, I, I don't like the record, man. <laughs> like, it's, At all? Uh, uh, no, not really. I mean, it has, like, moments and stuff, and I like, you know, a couple songs. I like, you said, Disturbing the Priest is actually a pretty good song. But overall, no, I don't like the sound of the record. Uh, apparently, it was recorded with a blown speaker the whole time. And they still re-release. They still released it. <laughs> there weren't a lot of drugs um, back actually, then. Actually, actually, they have they have the rec- they the record company lost the actual mastering, so they can't go in and remaster it to make it sound way better or high def. And Tony Iommi's pissed about it. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yes. So they lost yeah. they no. lost the tapes. So there's not much you can do with it. Personally, I agree with you, Doug. I think it's a fucking killer record, man. Love it. Well, good. At least you know Fuck that's Marco. Wh- Fuck him. Fuck. That's why I like this because you know we, we all have such different Enjoy opinions. <laughs> Go listen to Born Again and Bang. You. Um. Anyway, such so a good record, man. It is. And did you, Marco? You might find this interesting. Did you know that Stonehenge on this record was the um, inspiration for Stonehenge and Spinal Tap? Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I did not know that. Did you know that, Kevin? 
I did because because Geezer was like I again just watching the history. Geezer was like, we asked for, for he's like we didn't check the measurements. We just said yeah, we want it to be x amount inches. And he's like, the guys thought we meant feet. Second, like, there's this fucking Stonehenge display that couldn't fit in the arenas. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's so big. He's like, we're he's I think they said it was even bigger than the life size ones. A real nope. life Stonehenge. He's like, so we had this like giant. <laughs> we didn't know what to do with it. He's like, we it, it was so big, it was ridiculous. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, and obviously, you awesome, know, man. so a uh, year later in the mockumentary, obviously this is Spinal Tap. They um they kind of took that, but like you know did it the other way around where like they messed up the measurements and it was too small, and then what's he say that it's. In danger of being trampled by a dwarf, which I think that do you guys know the whole like the the rest of the scenery that they wanted to go with? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So you know, like the baby, the the cover has this like crying baby demon looking thing. Yeah. So they wanted to like they saw I guess when they were like on tour they saw like a, a dwarf. I don't know if you can even say that word now, but they saw like a dwarf, and they wanted to like dress him up as like a like a dwarf, like a, a whimsical kind of dwarf, and like run up on top of the uh, like Stonehenge, which I guess they did for a few shows. And he like jumps off like the edge of the Stonehenge on like a pile of matches, like 20, 30 feet down or something. But and then they had like a, a baby crying on like the the PA, and then like fades out, and then he runs across on the fucking Stonehenge. Woo! I have wow. to shit. Yeah, I, I I need to see this to to believe it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but one more interesting fact. Um, so obviously Ian Gillen from Deep Purple, smoke in the water was super hot at the time. So they kind of let them open up the some of the shows with like uh, smoke on the water, which you know for the the people going out, we don't know this album, but we you know know Ian Gillen kind of thing. That's so they, funny because that song's like you're talking like a, you're talking like almost a ten year, a decade already behind uh, Deep Purple. So people are still like, oh, it's that guy. Okay. Cool. Yeah, but no, people are still people are still all about it. Uh, obviously, do do you guys know the smoke in the water um, backstory? No. no. So I guess in Switzerland they went over to record the album, and then I, Frank Zappa and whatever his band was at the time was playing at this casino where they were recording. So like, oh hey, let's go down and check out the show. And someone decided to shoot a flare gun at the sail and let the fucking let the place on fire. And they had to fucking, they, they almost lost all their equipment, all the shit they'd record already. And then they decided to write Smoke in the Water. So, like, if you listen to, like, the lyrics, like, it's about the story about how, like, you know, what transpired when they were oh, trying I'm to kidding. record the album. Yeah, which I was, that was kind of cool. You know? Because, I mean, that's probably one of the most iconic songs, I would say. Over a fluke. But, yeah. All right. So. All right. Uh, I'm doing an EP because I think it's an important EP, influential to another whole decade worth of amazing prog metal. Um, This is the EP Queensryche. So self-titled. The band itself started out as a cover band, The Mob, and they were doing Iron Maiden and Judas Priest covers. Um, And a bunch of amazing musicians got together and decided to create somewhat of a super group version of Iron Maiden, in my opinion, especially you can hear the influence on this record. I have priest too. And these guys just crushed it. They were proggier, heavier. 
better musicians, and you could see the direction that Queensryche was taking Iron Maiden's influence and Judas Priest's influence, and we got Queensryche. Um, great entry for them. Uh, I think this is, I mean, I'm still new to this. I think it's underrated. I think Jeff Tate just crushes his vocals on this record um, or on the CP. And yeah, I give it a shot. If you don't know it, it uh, the even even the the um, band's logo is completely different from what they eventually went with. But I love it. I think there's only four songs on it. Um, if I take That's a look, correct, yeah. yeah, it's four. Queen of the Reich, Knight so Rider, Queen of the Reich, Knight Rider, Blind. Yeah, yeah, killer. So killer. Um, I wish. Very, very Iron Maiden influence. But I, I, they're better musicians in my opinion. So it was, it, it's just killer stuff. I kind of wish you got into this album like years ago when I told you about it. And you're like, yeah, it's not my thing. It's good. I, it's all right. It don't, Doug, everything you show me, it just takes me a decade. <laughs> all right. Remember that. I'll, I'll check the. It's been talked about many times. I'll check the notebook. Yeah. But I'm, I, I remember specifically. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I love Queen of the Reich. Amazing fucking song, but it must have one of the worst fucking uh, music videos of all time. Oh, really? Jeez, it's very... Know. Uh, yeah. you, can, you can also see... Uh, I saw it on Tyler Torrey's uh, Facebook. Somebody sent him a picture of Steve Harris wearing a Queensryche shirt from like early, early 80s. I think like 82, 83 when this popped. And and so even, even Steve Harris loved them. I mean, he was probably like, yeah, great. You guys are going to carry the flag of Iron Maiden sound. It's only going to make them... It's only going to help them, right? If you well, like what these sound a, like. Yeah, there's a funny story about that going in a little into the future with Operation Mindcrime. Is uh, Operation Mindcrime and Seven Sun came out, you know, the same year, and uh, there's speculation that Steve Harris bumped up his prog game because of Queensrÿche. He's like, we got to do what they're doing, and that's why Seven Sun is so proggy and whatnot. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah. So, but getting back to this record, excellent record, man. Uh, it's a great starting starter pack for them. I mean, if you want to hear a little more old school influence, as far as like you said, Maiden, Priest, whatever, new wave of British heavy metal, uh, they got it. Uh, I think they really hit their stride with their first record, which is my favorite record by them. Is Warning? Again, might make my list for next year. It's another one that I, that I absolutely love. Uh, but man, this is a great opening. I don't know, opening EP for their. You know, whatever. I mean, I remember the first time I ever heard Queen of the Reich, and this was more recent, like I'd say within the last 10 years. And I'm like, wow, this is fucking Queen's Reich? This is the I Don't Believe in Love band? <laughs> the Silent Lucidity band, you know? And, and even though I like, I like I Don't Believe in Love, not so much Silent Lucidity, but it just really took me by surprise, really hearing this and, and being like, wow, you know? It, it, it was amazing to yeah. me. Yep. And then uh, with the the recent Todd Latour love, I've been really diving into Queens like the last like six months or something. And yeah, yeah man, same here. Yeah, excellent band, man. Great band. Yeah. Hey Marco, you gotta remind me this weekend. We gotta play the Todd Latour record outside, just because it's just sure. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Honestly, I, Queens in general. I look. I even you, I was the one that said, "Oh, I like Latour better than Tate." But when you said, "No, nah, dude, go back and check out the Tate stuff," and I, I didn't even realize, I mean, I know they've re-recorded some stuff, but I didn't realize the stuff that I was actually enjoying was the re-recorded Tate stuff. So I'm like, oh, shit, this is Jeff Tate anyway. So, you know? so I mean, I went back, and I, I love it all now. I, I've gone back 
I don't like what they did in the '90s. They fell into the um, like, what do we do with grunge and you know, made oh. shitty records like everybody else. But that's not their yeah. fault. You know, the the only one who survived that really was Megadeth in the in the early '90s. They found a way to survive I mean, a little bit. In Testament, I would say. Too, but... Oh yeah, Testament. You're right. I agree with that. Testament. I, I I've been oh, banging. Testament Go ahead. in the 90s was, was clutching at straws, man. They, they were changing their style left and right. Yeah, but they all were. I mean, Megadeth is the same thing from cryptic writings to Risk to, you know, at least like the Ritual was probably the most solid out of the big four. Not that the Testament was in the big yeah. four, but that was oh, one yeah, of the... But, but, at, but at that time, Doug, uh, like Queensryche released Empire, which is still their biggest like selling record. Like if you're talking later 90s, like 91, they were all still good, yeah. Let's yeah. remember, kids. You know, Dave Ellison's been masturbating online on AOL since the early nineties. <laughs> yeah, there's only, only just, one metal band that in the nineties. That's Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's when that's all death, anybody cared about. That's when yeah. death metal really took over. Everyone either went Pantera or Obituary, and it was just like this split. Kind of went like <laughs> yeah. went death metal or like southern southern rock, like Black Label and Pantera. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, you, what? Go ahead, Kevin. No, no. We're gonna say anything. Okay. So, getting into the last two, um, I'll do the. You know, the first one is my pick, and then the overall pick. But uh, these next two albums, I will say, are the first albums I ever owned by these two bands. And uh, yeah, man, I think they're the ones who set my path. And uh, first one being Iron Maiden, uh, 1983's "Peace of Mind." Uh, uh, couldn't leave this album out. Nope, nobody picked it originally because I, you know what it is. I expected you guys to pick it, one of you. And when you guys went with different stuff, I'm like, shit, I got to drop my uh, my other pick because I expected you guys to go with it, one of you. I figured so you were gonna go with it. Album. Yeah, this album has to be on the list. Uh, and uh, so yeah, so I put it on there. I mean, shit, dude, it's got the most one of the most iconic fucking Iron Maiden songs ever with the Trooper and. You know, some of my other favorites, obviously, like Die With Your Boots On, I love, you know, except for the repeat chorus, that shit gets on my nerves, but but overall, I love that song. Still Life, Sun and Steel, to name a few. It's got Kevin's favorite song, Quest for Fire, and... Um, I love or, or Quest tame, for Fire. Or uh, To Tame a Land, as Kevin always says. Should fucking save us all, Jesus. <laughs> I love Quest for Fire, man. No joke. But go on, Doug, what do you think of the record? You go first. Uh, I, I do. I, I, I adore this record. Dude, Flight of Icarus alone, man. I remember early on, you know, that was one of, like, the earlier Maiden songs I heard, like, other than, you know, like, Trooper and Holly Be the Name and stuff. And I, that just drew me in. And then to this album, too, you know, like you said, quite, well, not Quest of Fire, you guys don't like that one, but Still Life, dude, Stun Steel and Tame a Land. Actually, the whole goddamn album is good. It really is. Douglas. Yes. I love Quest for Fire. Thank you, Marco. Love it. Thank We've talked about it. Or To Tame I a fucking, Land, as Kevin calls it. I fucking hate you guys so much. That is the worst song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> me, me and Do you guys really like it? Oh, I love I it. I do. Why? Yeah. I just want to know why. Yeah, it's, I, I just love the gallop. I love I love the story of it. I think it's fun. I just think it's a fun song. Now, is it my favorite main song of all time? No. <laughs> is it maybe even my least favorite on the album? Maybe, but I love every song on this record. So Yeah, all right. So I don't... I don't no, I don't. I skip it. I'm not, I'm not looking to lie to you. Yeah. I skip is it, it. Yeah, it's fine. E even though it's I horribly... Skip board again, board again, so. Terrible. <laughs> skip it again. 
Even though it's horribly historically inaccurate, it's still a, it's still a good song. I'm me and Mark are gonna dock on Saturday listening to it, and you can watch and you're like, wow, this is a good song. Let me. It's okay. It is inaccurate because I mean, look, historians are fucking inaccurate about dinosaurs, right? We can't decide if they look like chickens, if they look like now 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 dinosaurs have feathers, okay? So all those Jurassic Park movies can go out the window. Dinosaurs apparently were giant feathered birds. Um, we still can't even figure out how the fucking pyramids were made, okay? They've changed that goddamn theory so many times. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. It's a good song, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Anyway, yeah, this this album was phenomenal. I consider it part of, like, Bruce's Holy Trinity, you know, part two in it. You know, Number of the Beast, of This, and a Power Slave. And a uh, little fun fact, Iron Maiden has made our top ten Every year so far. Oh. Isn't that crazy that they put out an album every year? Look how bands used to put out records. And if Power Slave ain't on the next one, that's going to be crazy. But it will be. But It will be, for sure. You know. But yeah, man, I, I, I fucking love this record, dude. Like I said, I, I, it was the first album I ever bought. I remember I had it, I had it between... Actually, it was two of the three, because I bought two main records on the same day. But I remember I picked Somewhere in Time for the cover, because the cover's badass when you're like nine years old, eight years old. <laughs> and then it was between Seven Sun and Peace of Mind, and I'm like, I kind of like the, you know, the chained up Eddie and the, uh, what do you call that thing? The, um, Insane Asylum, like the padded jacket. room? Yeah. Oh, straight jacket. Yeah, the straight jacket in the, in the padded room, and I'm like, I kind of like that. I went, so I went with those two. And uh, yeah, man, never looked back. You know, I listened to both those albums a lot, along with the number one album. And it just stayed with me forever, man. And Iron Maiden is the band I still go back to. And this is the album I might go back to the most, to be honest. Hmm. You know, it's been a while, but such a great album. Such a great album. Yeah, man. All right. Well, we've exhausted our Iron Maiden talk, it seems. So let's get into honorable mentions. Kevin, you got any? Uh, did we lose Kevin? Right. No, I'm stuffing my face right now. You fuck. Okay. <laughs> All right, Doug, you got any? Uh, I did. Let, let me hold on. Um, I mean, there's Quiet Riot. There's Accept. You know, Man of Wars came out that year. Exciter, Heavy Metal Maniac. Uh, Crystal Logic, which I've been getting a little bit more into Manila Road these days. Not too much, though. Of course, Anvil pump, pumped out another one. I'm not too familiar with Forged and Fire, but... Uh, Dude, then Lizzie, Raven. Dude, there was such a um, another riot. Ton of albums that came out this year. The first Pantera, which I still have never heard. Oh, dude, and my one like big animal wrench would be um, Grim Reaper, See You in Hell. Definitely. Yes. There you go. That's a good one, man. Um, and I almost I forgot this. There was it's such a good year. I almost I almost forgot about this one. But yeah, dude, such I've been on a wicked Grim Reaper uh, kick lately too. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean it's good. You know, Grimmit Grimmit's got a good voice, and uh, you know it's good good metal. I mean, I'm not a big big Grim Reaper fan, but I enjoy it. I go see him live. You know, even though it's probably not the same anymore since you can't stand. But you can't know, it is can't what stand it is. him. <laughs> oh, that was fucked up. Yeah, sir. well, he's got he's missing he's missing a leg, bro. I know, dude. Come on, that's Grim. <laughs> sorry, sorry. All right, uh, one other one is um the French band Sourdle, which uh. I remember Death like talking about. It. I think Chuck's. I've seen Chuck wearing shirts, you know, and like yeah. uh, on stage and shit. I, 
I seen them when they did uh, when I was in France. They did like some like original lineup tour. I don't know what the fuck it was, but they they were good. But I definitely gonna dive back into them. I know people like adore them though. Yeah. So for me, I'm gonna go again like I did in 1982. I'm gonna go a little more hardcore because these records would have been on this list as my favorites probably if they weren't hardcore records or punk records. So uh, I got three. I got Suicidal Self Titled, which might be my favorite album of this year overall. Mm-hmm. Agnostic Front Victim in Pain, which is like 10 fucking minutes of like nine songs and just pure ferocity. And mm-hmm. one I'm surprised Doug didn't mention, Misfits, e- uh, I was about to say Evil Live, Earth AD. Oh, um, God. That that album is phenomenal, and I'm really surprised Doug didn't bring that Jesus, one. Jesus, Doug. This yeah. is the second time you fucked up on the Misfits. What's going on well, with no- you? Well, we're gonna. Th- I thought we we're gonna have like a hardcore section at the very end, but I guess that's technically an honorable mention. But um, yeah. another another uh, one that Green Hell that, that Metallica covered from this year, and then Die Die My Darling as well, both off uh, Earth AD, and it's got one of my favorite Misfit songs of all time, Blood Feast. Man, the vibe, the feel, the lyrics, everything. It's just fucking two minutes and thirty seconds of just uh uh, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, like I. Like I've always said, I think this is their hardcore record. You know, I think the rest of their discography is punk. I feel like this is their hardcore record. Hardcore was actually rising above punk at the time, so they came out heavier. I mean, Death Come Gripping, man. It's just, what the hell is going on? Hell yeah, Death Come Gripping, man. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I, I read something recently with uh, Danzig that uh, he actually hated, like, the speed of the album. He was more of like a... You know, Elvisy punky kind of type vocalist, and he didn't like doing the hardcore, like fast vocals as much. Even though this album's fucking phenomenal, you know, and I'm sure he appreciates mm-hmm. it now. But at the time, he he uh, he just didn't like the speed. He didn't like like the I guess, yeah the speed, I guess. But all right, well, you know what, Dan? I wonder if he, we don't we don't like your movies, so it's fine. That. <laughs> I wonder if Danzig, though, was more of a fan of Bobby Steele as opposed to Doyle. You know, like Bobby Steele, who did all the Static Age stuff. And uh, I think he was on Three Hits from Hell, the Seven Inch Bullet. He did all that stuff um, before Doyle joined the band. Uh, but I think that I think that was more Danzig's bag was that era. I, I think you know? so, too. Especially now, seeing like he'll put out an album and like a, like a Danzig, not a Danzig, a Elvis cover. You know, like he... You can tell that's kind of where his passion lies. You know, he didn't like the speed, even though we could do it. Mm-hmm. He was good at it. Yeah, it shows you. How about you, Kevin? You got any honorables? Or did Doug mention them all in his, like, 20 <clears throat> No, I got one, man, that I know nobody's going to like, and I don't give a fuck. It's going to be fine. Journey Frontiers. And and honestly, it. Um, I mean, most of the songs on there, the ballads are ridiculously amazing. Fuck you if you don't like it. It doesn't really matter. Um, but Edge of the Blade is an awesome, awesome Iron Maiden style song, and they crush it. If you don't like Journey, it's fine. If you don't like their songs like Faithfully and stuff like that, but you have to check out Edge of the Blade. It's a metal song, through and through. Total metal song, and it's amazing. Killer solo, everything. All right, it's going on the list. Nope, not yeah. Edge of Sanity. <laughs> no, Edge of the Blade. It is, it is such an awesome metal tune. It really is. Edge awesome, of the Blade. Man. Nice. All right. Good All to right. know. Who, who wants to introduce the number one? How about you, Doug? All right. So. This, this sounds big. So, 
No life till pleather? Are you all right? Uh, did you just did have a heart attack? Off? You might have had a heart attack. Oh my god, I started playing the music by mistake. I thought you were playing. <laughs> I, I thought you were playing the fucking song, Kevin. I'm like, all right, well, this is a weird time to play music on the fucking podcast. No, no. you just like went uh, silent. Doug, that Doug, is a really good open rip, though. Woo. You need to stop trying, to, you need to stop masturbating while also trying to podcast. Oh, yeah. Whew. Okay, that was fucking weird. But anyway, all right, so yeah, 1983, uh, the iconic in every way, shape, and form. Metallica, kill them all. Um, dude, just my lord. This this was, as Marco said, was a total game changer. Thank you, um, Dave Mustaine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he only wrote four of the songs, and so not even my favorite ones, so go ahead. Um, <laughs> only four. Only four. <laughs> and, and not the best ones, in my opinion, but go ahead, Doug. Uh-huh. Keep going. Yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, as you know, I think it was a release... To- uh, with the one track listing, the, the second pressing had Blitzkrieg and Am I Evil, which, you know, for the longest time, like, people didn't know that those weren't Metallica songs. Like, I had, I had a coworker who grew up in that era, and he was like, no, dude, look, fuck, you want to make a bet? Like, Blitzkrieg, that's a Metallica song. I'm like, yeah, it's a Metallica song, but it's a cover song. He's like, no, but it was on fucking Kill Em All, you know? Like, just like Kevin was saying, like, Bread Fan, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of songs that they covered and did well that, uh, you know, that, they made better or they made the bands more famous, but dude, just all around from front to back. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that though, Doug is, uh, when I went on the 70,000 tons of metal, uh, I forget what year, but you know how they do the, the jam with like a bunch of the artists come up and jam, like old school songs or whatnot. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So they had, uh, in the program, it said Metallica, am I evil? And uh, the funny part is after they obviously set up the program and everything, they, they you know how they get bands late. They got Diamond Head on there. So Diamond Head is the <laughs> official writer of the song. And so it's funny. Jeff Waters is like, yeah, we know it says Metallica, Am I Evil? Because uh, they stopped the song right before the fast part. And they're like, but we're going to bring on the band that really wrote it. And it was cool. <laughs> so they, they actually got to play the second half. And I thought it was funny, though, because, like, a lot of people really think it's Metallica's song, like you said. And even Diamond Head, you know, Diamond Head don't care. I've seen interviews with him where he's like, dude, you know what? Metallica made it popular, and a few people discovered us, you know, power to them. I guess Lars Ulrich went over and saw him in concert, like, in 1980 or something. And he ended up staying at Brian Tatler's house, you know, from Diamond Head and sleeping on his floor for, like, three weeks. Oh, no shit. Friends in real life. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. I mean, but overall, yeah, awesome record. Motor Breath is one of my favorite fucking songs. Uh, I love No Remorse. Uh, Metal Militia, Mustaine song. So I guess, all right. So in my top three, you got got one Mustaine song. (laughs) I love those fucking three songs, man. And I don't know. Maybe I just. Anesthesia. Destroyed to certain degree. Pulling teeth. Yeah, it's awesome. A good instrumental. Yeah. Definitely Dude, motor fucking bass. I don't. I have never heard. Uh, I still to this day haven't heard a bass solo song. No, not like that. Anyway, my word. No. Nope. Yeah, I just listen to Primus and every every fucking song's a bass solo song. <laughs> <laughs> that dude rips. But yeah, no, you're right, dude. Especially with that tone, Kevin. You know, like the tone. It's it sounded like very guitar-y. Uh, did you know? You know what the distortion he added? Yeah. Did you did you know that Les Claypool tried out for Metallica um, when he died? When Cliff yes, died? I did. Yeah. Yep. 
I'm surprised yeah, he they was too good. Apparently, yeah. I was gonna say they would have been a. Plus, he, he probably would have friggin' uh, he probably wouldn't put up with the shit that Jason Newstead did. You know, as far as like just getting shunned and kind of shut down and tuned out. Yeah, I don't think that would have happened. I, I think Les Claypool did the right. Well, obviously it wasn't his choice, but I think he went his direction. And obviously he's huge too in his own right. You know, Primus sells out fucking everything too, so they kill it. But yeah, man, uh, if you watch the Woodstock '94 performance of Primus, actually, they act, he actually does master a puppets on bass, like the guitar riff, but he does it on bass. It's sick. Oh wow! Yeah, he, he's mm-hmm. him like Flea and Cliff are probably like I don't know some of the top bassists in my you know opinion. I know there's a, a million great to Giorgio, but anyway, I don't know why I even brought that up. Um, Jocko Prestorius. <laughs> who's that? You know who that is? Nah, he's an old school jazz guy, but that's who a lot yeah, of dude, look he's, up to. Yeah, dude, they're all. He's like the Godfather. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. Yeah, that's all. These dudes will will literally tell you the best bass player in the world, Jocko Prestorius. I mean, he's dead now, I believe, but you know, I've been wrong before. I've reported false deaths. No, as long he's as, he's dead. Too, so. Um, and and Robert uh, Trujillo. <laughs> Did a whole documentary. Yeah, Trujillo. He did a documentary on uh, Jaco's life. So no, you are not. You are not wrong. I also I I used to actually listen to the band that he was in um, forever. God, I forget the name of them. Uh, they're but they're jazz in they're jazz fusion, jazz fusion band that doesn't have like vocals. It's pretty sick music, man. He was he was a sick bass player, like fretless bass, just insanity, total insanity. Anywho. Yeah. So, yeah, dude. Any, I mean, any more thoughts on the record? No, go ahead, Doug. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say it's another one that it just speaks for itself. You know, um, it's just all around a solid. Like you said, Motor Breath. You know, super underrated. You know, Phantom Lord, No Remorse. Obviously, the Four Horsemen, fucking iconic. But yeah, Metal Militia. Just every every song. It's just it's one of those front to back ones that you can never never get sick of. I don't think. Yeah, man. Uh, phenomenal record. And again, it was one of the first records I ever bought as a kid and really set my path. I, and I, I, like I said, Kill Em All, Peace of Mind, both this year, along with uh, Ride the Lightning and uh, and uh, Somewhere in Time by Iron Maiden. Those four albums right there really set my path in, in, in metal. And, uh, you know, I loved Maiden when I was little. Metallica's probably the second band, but not too far behind. But Metallica is what led me in my ultimate love, which is like Sepultura into Slayer into Death Metal into whatever. You know what I mean? So without these these bands, I I, I might still be a Bon Jovi fan. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you took you took the reins, ran with it, and never looked back. All right, guys, have a good night. Uh, this is Kev, Marco, and Dugala. Thanks for joining All us. Right. Thank you, guys. Good night. Talk to you later. Thank you.